Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. So when I don't know, I fall back on what I do know. And here's what I do know. God is only always good. God cannot do evil. God cannot tempt. He is incapable of doing that because God is only good. And that's what I do know. This is bad. I don't know. This is bad. But here's what I do know. God is good. And I'm going to hold on to that. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barak of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Job. Pastor J.D. reminds us that God is always good. This is the one thing we can rest assured in for its absolute truth. Throughout our lives, we will see evils. Some of them may be bad enough that they cause us to question, where was God? When these times arise, be sure to know Jesus well enough to know that he's good and he will redeem all things. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. and Job chapter 24 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. See, Satan is not all-knowing, so he does not know what God, who is all-knowing, knows. See, God already knows that Job is not going to curse him. Satan doesn't know that. He's waiting and hanging on every word of Job, just waiting for just even a hint that he's about to utter those words that he longs for Job to utter in his cursing of God. And you got to know that when Job speaks these words, he's realizing, hmm, I don't think it's going to happen. This does not sound like a man, in spite of everything that I've done to him, with God's permission no less, Despite all of his unthinkable and unspeakable suffering, this does not sound like somebody who's going to curse their God. Verse 5, far be it from me that I should say, you are right. Till I die, I will not put away my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. Good for you, Job. He's standing his ground. He knows he's righteous before God. He knows he's right, and they're wrong. I will never give in to you just for the sake of getting you to stop by saying, okay, fine, you whatever, you're right. No. You're wrong. I'm right. And I will go to my dying day on my deathbed. I will never utter from my mouth what you accuse me of, because it's not true. He's standing in his integrity. By the way, there's something here that is very important to notice. Purity brings power. Notice the power, notice the power, the maybe better said the confidence and the strength 
of Job's resolve. And even as he communicates with particularly Bildad, it's really directed at all three of them anyway. Someone talking as confidently in their integrity as Job is, that can only come from somebody who is walking in integrity. If he wasn't walking in integrity, if he wasn't walking in purity, he doesn't have this kind of boldness. He doesn't have this kind of strength. Let me say it this way. I don't mean to sound like I'm trying to put a formula together here, but purity equal power. Purity equals power. When you're walking in purity, what comes packaged with that purity is the power of the Holy Spirit. A holy life is a powerful life, and he's about to get even stronger in his powerful communication. Listen to what he says in verse 7. May my enemy be like the wicked, and he who rises up against me like the unrighteous. You know what he's saying right there? And this is actually something that was common in that day, and even to this day, uh, they actually had a uh, law that if you falsely accuse somebody of something for which they were not guilty of, and it was discovered that you had falsely accused them of something, the thing that you falsely accused them of would be meted out upon you. Oh, so Job is like, he's taking it further and basically saying this, you have been accusing me falsely of all of these things. You know what I think should happen? I think everything that you have falsely accused me of should come upon you. This is what is known, and by the way, we know nothing of this in our culture today. This is known as a deterrent. A deterrent. You know what I mean by a deterrent? This would make you think twice before you started shooting off your mouth and slandering somebody. You slander somebody, you gossip about somebody, you falsely accuse somebody, and it's found out that you falsely accused them of something? Guess what? You know what the just punishment was? And this was a law that would be meted out justly against you. That which you falsely accused them of would now be meted out upon you. That'll get you to think twice. That's what he's saying in verse 7. And again, that's the sanctified strength that can only come from somebody that is walking in purity. Somebody who's walking in integrity. Somebody that is walking in righteousness, not sinlessness, but righteousness. That's the holy boldness that comes as a result. Verse eight, for what hope is the hope, or for what is the hope of the hypocrite? They, they've called him a hypocrite how many times? Though he may gain much, if God takes away his life, will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call on God? I will teach you about the hand of God, what is with the Almighty. I will not conceal. In other words, how do I say this in a pastoral way? Close your mouth. There's other ways to say it. I'm just going to say it that way. Is that okay? We all right? Just close your big mouth. 
and listen to me and let me talk because I got something to say to you. And you better listen to me because I'm going to tell you something that you need to know about this God that you are trying to represent. Verse 12, surely all of you have seen it. Why then do you behave with complete nonsense? Oh, how I wish that we could grasp this in all of its intensity. You got to know, see this was said in that day in a way that was very uh, poignant and even poetic. I suppose it would be likened to us in our day, uh, well, again, this is, I got to be careful here. I don't want to sound uh, mean, but uh, why are you acting like a complete and total idiot? That's what he's saying. You, uh, you're embarrassing yourself. What, what, and he's asking rhetorically, why do you behave with complete nonsense? This is the portion of a wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors received from the Almighty. In other words, you're acting like the very person that you're accusing me of being of, being like. Verse 14, if his children are multiplied, it is for the sword, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Those who survive him shall be buried in death and their widows shall not weep. Though he heaps up silver like dust and piles up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the just will wear it, and the innocent will divide the silver. This uh, has its place in the book of Proverbs, where it talks about how the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Verse 18, he builds his house like a moth, like a booth which a watchman makes, the rich man will lie down, verse 19, but not be gathered up. He opens his eyes and he is no more. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest steals him away in the night. The east wind carries away him away and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls against him and does not spare. He flees desperately from its power. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss him out of his place. So chapter 27, I was, uh, as I was preparing the teaching tonight, I had to kind of go through it again. And to me, it's a, another difficult chapter because it seems that Job at this juncture is still fully convinced that God is against him. And he doesn't understand. But here's the thing. He's still trusting God to have the final word in his case. I mean, everything that he says here is true about God. Yet it's not the reality in his life because of the plight now in his life. And this is what I mean by, again, when you don't know and you don't understand, you fall back on what you do know about God. Now, this is a profound paradox because it's like the God who has vexed 
and embittered his soul is the very same God that he still believes is going to restore him. In other words, he still has hope. He's not completely lost all hope. He's lost everything. He has lost literally, absolutely everything. But there's one thing he hasn't lost yet. He hasn't lost hope. He still has what Jesus describes as mustard seed sized faith. You know what mustard seed sized faith is? First of all, you know what a mustard seed is in size? It's microscopic in size. It's that, it's, you have to, you know, it's that small. But at least he still has faith in God. He still has hope. He, he's still trusting in this God that he still believes is against him and vexing him. I love what Charles Spurgeon said about it. He actually preached a sermon on this, this actual text that we just read. And listen to the title of it. A Vexed Soul Comforted. Let me share some of this and I hope it will bless and encourage you as much as it did me, especially if you're here tonight and you're really going through a difficult trial and you are vexed in your soul. Listen to what Spurgeon writes. Child of God, are you vexed and embittered in soul? Then bravely accept the trial as coming from your father and say, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Shall we receive good at the hand of God? And shall we not receive evil? Not implying, of course, that God is evil, but God allows evil. Press on through the cloud, which now lowers directly in your pathway. It may be with you as it was with the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration. They feared as they entered the cloud, yet in the cloud they saw their master's glory, and they found it good to be there. In other words, the Lord's in the cloud. The Lord's in the storm. The Lord's in the fiery furnace. If it be the Almighty who has troubled us, listen, surely He can also comfort us. He that is strong to sink is also strong to save. If He be Almighty to embitter, He must also be Almighty to sweeten. It's a paradox, I know. He goes on, Oh yes, that word Almighty cuts both ways. It makes us tremble, and so it kills our pride. That's a good thing. <laughs> but it also makes us hope, and so it slays our despair. Reminds me of that saying, and it's true, goes something like this. You can live only a certain number of days without food, you can live only a certain number of days less so without water, but you can't live even a matter of seconds without hope. That's what he's hanging on to. 
And the same God that has vexed him, that has embittered him, that has allowed this affliction to come upon him, is the same God that he is paradoxically still trusting in. And that's a little bit hard to get your mind around. Chapter 28, he goes on, and this is very poetic. Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted from ore. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every recess for ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. He breaks open a shaft away from people. In places forgotten by feet, they hang far away from men. They swing to and fro. As for the earth, from it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the source of sapphires. And it contains gold dust. That path no bird knows. Nor has the falcon's eye seen it. The proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He, verse 9, puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks, and his eyes see every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden, he brings forth to light. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of a fear in precious onyx or sapphire. Neither, verse 17, gold nor crystal can equal it nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz, for the price of wisdom is above rubies. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? Again, very poetic, but if you look at everything he's saying here, and we're almost done, If you look at everything he's saying here, it is all accurate. It is all true. You can know this to be true for a fact. Verse 21, it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say, we have heard a report about it with our ears. God understands its way and he knows its place for he looks to the ends of the earth and sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind and apportion the waters by measure. When he made a law for the rain and a path for the thunderbolt, then he saw wisdom and declared it. He prepared it. Indeed, he searched it out. And verse 28, to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, And to depart from evil is understanding. Is that not also echoed in the Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. What what is Job saying here? What Job is saying here is, this is what I know. (laughs) I don't know what's happening here. I don't know why God is allowing 
me to go through this, but here's what I do know about God. This is what I do know to be true. In other words, when you don't know, you fall back on what you do know. This for me, and I'll bring it to a close, has been something that the Lord has used in my life over the years to really settle me and, for lack of a better way of saying it, anchor me when things happen and I have no explanation, I have no understanding, I don't know why God is allowing it. One of the most painful times for me was when our daughter Noel died and I didn't know why why God would allow our daughter Noel to die. And at that time when I didn't know I had to, if I wanted to keep my sanity, <laughs> I, I had to go back to what I did know to be true about God. And, and here's something that the Lord really ministered to me, and I've shared it oftentimes, and perhaps this is a, a good way to close tonight. No matter how bad it is, it cannot change how good God is. I know it's bad. Okay, and, and, I, and I don't know why this has been allowed into my life. Obviously, God has a purpose, and God will never allow the enemy to do anything unless ultimately in the end it's for my good and his glory. So when I don't know, I fall back on what I do know. And here's what I do know. God is only always good. God cannot do evil. God cannot tempt. He is incapable of doing that because God is only good. And that's what I do know. This is bad. I don't know. This is bad. But here's what I do know. God is good. And I'm going to hold on to that. And I'm not going to give up what I do know in exchange for what I don't know. What I do know to be true about God, I'm going to hang on to that for dear life. And that's what Job's doing here. That's what the whole chapter is about. Here's what I know to be true about God. God is good. God hung the heavens and he created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is. God is in control and God loves me. And God has my best interest at heart. I know that. And I know that in the end, my Redeemer lives. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm, that's what's going to get me through. I'm going to hang on to what I do know. Job's life shifted radically and quickly from prosperity to despair, giving him every reason to complain and turn away from God. Yet Job kept his focus on his Creator, telling us in chapter 1, verse 21, that the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not easy to praise the Lord when everything we know falls apart. But as we'll continue to learn from Job, God has a much better and greater plan than we can even comprehend. God will bring us through every trial and tragedy we face and is our ultimate source of comfort and strength. Have you discovered the powerful love of God in your life? If you'd like to know more about this relationship, we have a great guide for you at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
just click on the New Believers link at the top of the page. We'd also like to encourage you to find a church family, one that follows God with all their hearts and live by His Word, and we'll provide you with support as you walk this journey of faith. If you're in the area, why not join us at Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe? We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m., and again on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for a time of fellowship, worship, and studying the Bible. We'd love to have you join us. You can find location information through our website. That address again is in spiritandtruthradio.com. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today, but we want to thank you for listening. Be sure to join Pastor J.D. next time as he continues teaching verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Job, right here on In Spirit and Truth. <laughs> 